0: This is TumbleVision, episode 95, can you believe it? And this is tumblevision.tv. This is the only X-rated podcast, R-rated business podcast, where we talk about tumbling every week, which is how you live in a post-command control world. And we talk to some of the most interesting people we can find in business, tech, and culture who are already living this kind of life and helping create structures where people can create ongoing communication that isn't dependent. On top dance structures. That's what tumbling is, by the way. A tumbler is traditionally someone who gets people to dance at a party. It's an old Yiddish word. <laughs> I'm good, and at that. That. <laughs> good at that. <laughs> exactly. Tumbler here today. Our special guest, episode 95, is Amy Mueller. Hi. And uh, our co hosts every week who are joining us from different places because we're always all over the, uh, the world are Kevin Marks. And tonight, Kevin. Uh, you and your technological savvy are in?
1: San Francisco.
0: All right. in that beautiful place by the Bay, Bay Bridge, right?
1: I am, though. I'm in a different room, so I can't actually see it tonight. But, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm in that in the same office.
0: And you sound fabulous. And Deb Schultz with joining us with her business savvy. And, Deb, you're in New York, right? I am
2: indeed. And you Just sound landed.
0: T- So tonight we're going to talk about... Uh, Amy, some of Amy's story and experience, and we sometimes hit a few current events during the week. And the only really current event, which we'd like to hit at the very top of the show, um, the one I, I just want to ask talk about for maybe a minute and a half is the State of the Union Address, since it was the big political event of the week. And also we've got all these Republican debates happening, and they're more and more in the networked world. While I wouldn't say Congress is even remotely connected, All that digital, it's pretty ripe for disruption, as this OPA experience showed us all. Mm -hmm. There's still really, um, like the response online is helping shape kind of what's happening. And Obama, to me, I mean, Amy, so you're you're a co-founder of Get Satisfaction. We're going to talk Mm -hmm. a lot about community managers today and what that word means and all that sort of thing. But on some level, isn't Obama the first community manager to run something really huge? I mean, isn't he really... Yeah, community organizing was his yes, roots, right? That was his
3: roots. Yeah, community organizing, yep. And do you see that? Did you get a chance to watch the State of the Union? So I was in and out of the room because um, I was making dinner <laughs> during the State of the Union, but I kept coming into the room and watching what I could. And actually the thing that... Um, that I was most struck by was how frequently it seemed both sides of the room were getting up and clapping for stuff he was saying. Like it really seemed to be kind of a unifying speech. Huh. That was my, maybe I was just happening upon those moments and there were a lot of moments that were more divided. But, um, um, yeah, that was, I don't know, that really struck me. I felt like I saw a lot of bipartisan support for stuff he was saying. Um, and you know, the whole oil thing was kinda interesting. I've got Oh Mick's it's the oil thing. Oh well that he's now sort of champion um championing um the what's it called? It's called fracking actually, which cracked me up since that's you know a bad word <laughs> in Battlestar Galactica. Um, yeah, but- I know. That was really funny. <laughs> but that is the extracting of oil out of shale, right? Or natural gas out of shale or something. It's you know, layman's description of that. But um but yeah, so now all of a sudden, I mean, he's definitely a big proponent for clean energy, but he's kind of getting behind the idea of, um, you know, using a natural gas as well, and that that's important as well. Just sort of like anything that's not a dependency on foreign oil seems to be like his stance at this point. So that was interesting because that was a bit of a turn. A turn, and I, you know, not really sure quite how I feel about that yet. I know there are environmental concerns, but Well um, oh, just overall. I mean, maybe I'll just real quickly mm-hmm. hit on
0: this. You watched him run. And then you watched Mm -hmm. him, um, you know, govern. And just as a little bit of background, because I want to spell out more time in your background in in a minute. You know, you kind of are community manager to the community managers. Yeah, right. So you're in touch
3: with a lot of people. That's what they do. Yeah, and i meant like this weird meta level. Yeah, yeah. So we (laughs) all
0: have we in the show have our view about the term community manager. We'll get into that in a minute. But just for now. Over the time you've seen Obama first run and then govern, have, mm-hmm. what have you seen him do that felt familiar to you as techniques that you've seen work in community organizing and what things do you think would be more valuable that if mm-hmm. he could do
3: more of? Well, like, I mean, I think that his, his, at least his aim of more transparency um, is definitely something from those kind of roots, those community management roots. Know, why do you associate those two things? Oh, good question. Um, for me... I feel like community management, okay, well, when you think about, I mean, community management means a lot of things, but when you think about community management under the umbrella of um, customer community management, um, I think that what is unique about it is that it gives you an, um, an opportunity to really build relationships with customers where other forms of connecting with customers doesn't necessarily give you that opportunity. And I think that it's because you sort of have to be transparent in order to be authentic. And, you know, people can sniff it out really quickly when you're not being authentic. And why is authenticity so important in community management? Well, because for me, community management is about, is about building relationships in a way, um, connecting people and connecting with people and um, sort of facilitating, um, you know, all of those sort of conversations um, that happen. And, um, you know, if you're not authentic, then you're sort of a fraud. And,
0: and it's harder to have people be connected. And they don't trust and, you. And, so when yeah. you're saying,
3: let's do this, you have no, yeah. author- you have right. no authority. Right, you have no authority, you have no respect. You have, yeah. Yeah. yeah, feel
0: free to check uh, YouTube. I had a talk a little while ago, Web2O called Authenticity is a New Authority, kind of making
2: mm-hmm. that point, <laughs>
0: sort of opening with, would you subscribe to yourself? so yep. here's this is interesting what you're saying because when you think about how Obama is getting attacked when people are trying are undermining him or politically act, attacking him, mm-hmm. authenticity is really the first thing they're going after, isn't it He's fake because he's a celebrity, he's fake because he's really a secret muslim he's fake because <laughs> he actually wasn't born in the United States he's fake because he's secretly a woman, whatever it is they yeah. want to throw at him and because those
3: because that's because it's, it's it's his it's his appearance at least of authenticity, although that sounds like uh oxymoron but it's um you know it seems that he's authentic that's what's powerful about him and so of course they want to try and attack that um i was actually just hearing today you know um he had this whole promise of the um the stimulus being all incredibly transparent the whole stimulus package thing being all incredibly transparent that there was going to be a website where like citizens could go and find out where the money money was being spent in their community and so good and it actually his is happening like it's taken a long time to get it up and running but apparently it is happening and um you know the thing with my question was why don't we know more about it Then, like I don't think they're marketing it very well like right. they've actually got it up and running and it's working um so I've kind of wanted I haven't had a chance yet but I wanted to go dig around and just. there's always the how that. good
0: is the visualization and yes. the design because like it's, if it's not right. designed well like that that one page when this that I think we referred to the night Ke- Kevin that you showed me when SOPA got uh, all these all these votes pulled from it. That kind of showed January eighteenth who supported <clears throat> it, January nineteenth who didn't. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It made it really easy yeah. to then look at that data in a way that you know you can yeah. take home yeah. with you. It was a story. So, do you have you paid much attention, Kevin, to the open data um, efforts of the Obama administration?
1: Um, I, I've paid a reasonable amount of attention to them, and they've they've mostly been um, quite good. That's. There's one of those weird things with open data is that um, when someone comes into office, they're always in favour of it. Um, when the, and then once they're in office, they're much wary of it because it can be used against them. And at the same time, the, the, they're in favour of it when they come in. The opposition is also in favour of it because they want to know what's going on and they've suddenly lost access to all of that. So it's, it's the transitions are a really good time to be able to, to make this stuff happen. Um, it, and we, we saw that with both the UK and the US, is that when the government changed all the open data stuff that had been pressed for for a long time was, was signed up for very quickly. And they started competing with each other over it as well, which was good. Uh, and we're starting to see more and more data actually being published by default with the presumption that you should publish it ahead of time. And I think that's, that's very useful.
0: Do you... What do you... I mean, the only people I really hear talking... Oh, I shouldn't say that. I know that Tim Riley tweets a lot about it, and so does Anil. But I know Neil's project works uh, with government data. But I... I I, so I saw that SOPA thing more than I've seen any other piece of government-related piece of data put out there, even though it's it supposedly released a lot since he got into office. No one
3: has a
0: response. All right. <laughs> okay. So, yes, that's what we think about transparency and the Obama administration. Well, so, I, let's get into your life, okay. Amy. Okay. So, you – when it –
3: what did you do before you had any kind of computer-related work? Oh, my God. Um, I have to go back a long way. I'm just um, curious. Honestly? Yeah. Um, no,
0: no transparency or No transparency.
3: Okay, no, I'm going to be totally transparent here. Well, I was a college student and a nanny and um, someone who was trying to find herself by, you know, t- doing continuing education and things like, dance and cooking and sign language and photography. (laughs) And, um, and then, you know, around like 1996, I, um, fell in the lap of the internet. And, um, that's kind of where my career has gone since then. How did you
0: fall in the lap of it?
3: Well, I fell in the lap of my husband.
0: (laughs) Well then, also AKA internet.
3: Yes. (laughs) Um, no, yeah, so uh, Thor, Thor and I have known each other for a very long time, long before the internet was what we know of it today, um, but around 1995, he started um, one of the first little web design shops in San Francisco, and when we got engaged, I started working there with him, and, um, and then we built that shop up, and a year later, it was uh, purchased by Frog Design, and my career just kind of went from there. So I sort of started more in, like, project management, front-end web production. I was a coder, you know, HTML and JavaScript. And, well, yeah, you I started know. You're from, looking at me shocked. So,
0: <laughs> wait a minute. So you started from nothing? Well, which is a good way to code, and then all of a sudden you're...
3: So why did well, you get wasn't, It wasn't hard back then. <laughs> it was pretty simple. Um, um, well, I, you know, I got more into... Um, How did I, why did I give that up? Good question. Um, I was doing that off and on, I guess, until we started Ruby Red Labs. And, um, and then I really was doing more operational and account management kind of stuff and sort of handed over the, the front end development to young kids who were more on top of what was new and hip and, and, you know, in uh, web development. And, um, yeah. And then from there, when we, when we, uh, founded Get Satisfaction, the chief community officer role just sort of fit me very well. Just because? Because I'm a clear communicator. I'm an organizer. I'm empathetic. I'm detail-oriented. I listen. Um, I'm a people person. Um, and I can get shit done. <laughs> so All very good.
0: <laughs> and... Whip something on JavaScript if it's needed Mm -hmm. for a community. So you are not only... So it gets satisfaction Mm -hmm. um, for people who don't know it. I I can't remember what year you guys started it.
3: We started working on it in January of 2007. We launched in September of 2007. So this is kind of interesting. So if you think of Web 2.0 as sort of happening in
0: 2002.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: It's sort of around the time, right? The Flickr and... Yeah, we like...
3: Like discovered Flickr and delicious, and people are tagging.
0: So it's five whole years later Mm -hmm. that you guys decide, hey, companies have to worry what people are saying about them, and we're going to provide an infrastructure to help them talk with.
3: Yeah, that was that was kind of it. I mean, do you want to know the actual story? or Am I going to bore you guys? (laughs) (laughs) It it starts with a little thing called Valley Swag. <laughs> I remember, that. <laughs> so we had this web app development company, um Ruby Red Labs, that was based on the all, all the ideas of web of web two o um you know we were we were strategizing, designing, and developing web apps for startups um all basically with Ruby on Rails, which is sort of the underpinning language that was you know um, sort of beneath a lot of those web two o um, early web two o apps so Um, but then on the side, we just got this idea for doing Valley Swag, like, oh, it'd be fun to do like a Swag of the Month club and send like t-shirts from Odeo, which they're the company that started Twitter, um, and Songbird and Flickr. And and the Swag is the stuff people give you
0: when you go to their parties. Their parties. It's more Yiddish along with tumbling. Yeah. Swag. Shashkas.
3: Yes.
0: Yes. Shashkas. Yeah. Kevin chimes
3: in with the (laughs) Yiddish. So, um. So, uh, yeah, we just kind of had this idea because so many people didn't have that access because they weren't going to all these parties, and we were, right? So, we're like, let's send the swag to the people who want the swag. And we thought it would be a funny thing. And so, we, people loved it yeah we did it we had like 50 or 60 subscribers the first month So you went to a party and you just like stole everybody's swag at the kind party of, yeah and we just <laughs> hit up our friends we hit up our friends who had these companies that you know were kind of you know in the same industry we were and we're like hey we're gonna send out free swag to people you have some and you know. so you're yeah, like who actually wants this stuff so
0: what's interesting about that is well two things wasn't there a spinoff business out of this I, well,
3: there were I think there were several like copycat businesses. No, I'm
0: thinking specifically from you guys. Isn't there well, a yeah, woman I
3: satisfaction?
0: <laughs> no, before oh. the big one. Oh, oh, isn't um, there well, a sort of fulfillment N- business? Well, Nuna, yeah, well, Nuna, N-
3: Nuna Co. Well, Nuna was already doing her kind of fulfillment stuff, and then we hired her. Well, so let me just tell you how we got to that point really quickly. Our first month of the Valley Shrive subscriptions was like 50 or 60 subscribers. Sent those out. People blogged about them, photographed them, put their like. Pack you know photos of their packages up on Flickr. Got covered on Boing Boing and TechCrunch. The second month, we had fifteen hundred plus subscribers. So all of a sudden, and sort of a
0: clear indication, <laughs> that you did something
3: that people want. Yes, and it was supposed to be like a little kind of joke side project. Like we actually had a business to run and clients to support, and then all of a sudden we had this other thing that just took off. Um, yeah, so we ended up hiring Nuna to do all of our fulfillment. We hired our friend um, Tess Anderson to be our chief. Um, our swag procurement officer, so she would actually like go to the like conventions and conferences and events and parties and like beg for free swag. Um, it was pretty crazy, like trying to keep that going. But we started notice started noticing these trends or these these like recurrences with doing customer. we were actually doing like traditional customer support. Like we had customers that had questions about shipping. You know, just, like, we like mm. we didn't know that world, and but so we're supporting them through Gmail. We had a blog where we'd post post a blog post and then we'd get pages of comments underneath that blog post that would just spiral off into all these really great conversations. But it was all in the comments of a blog post, not a really like great easy way to sort of track a conversation. Um, we just had and, this... and they would be asking things that were like, when do I get my t-shirt? Or... Well, it would go on from there though. Then there'd be like suggestions about things that we should include. Or I mean, it was just like, it was like these amazing, like really these amazing like relationship building things. We had um, some subscribers sending us care packages because like from Hawaii, like someone sent us a care package of like chocolate covered macadamia nuts and, you know, Kona coffee from Hawaii just because they loved us. And someone who worked at a Hollywood, a movie studio in Hollywood, sent us a package of like their movie studio their swag. swag, yeah. So it was just this really interesting, like, kind of community building thing that just happened organically, um, and and we just started thinking, and we just have this like, is anything instinct to be transparent? With is our there people.
0: anything really good that hasn't been built organically? It just seems to me to be the way to make anything good. I think you're right.
3: Yeah, no, I think you're right. But it's
0: so hard to allow yourself to do it because it means trusting, right, that you're not going to think up the best thing
3: <laughs> and it means being open it means being open minded though too to like mm. things that come along that you weren't expecting right i mean which of course i don't mean to pitch thor Thorin's Thorin book but Lane's like serendipity yeah, book their get lucky book is all about that like you know it's like yeah you have your plans and you have your data but then you also need right. to be open to things that come in that are unexpected that might actually completely make you change course but are just awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, I started involving the audience in the shows because people were loving the funny yeah. things people were saying. I was like, I guess I should have more of that.
3: Yep. Yep. Well, Absolutely.
1: Well, well, bloggers start as an internal project management app, didn't it? That was for a oh, different yeah. for a, a, yeah. example of this. where, And then they realized, Evan and Meg realized, oh, this is actually quite useful, but maybe we should make a public version.
3: Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, and look where they are now. So 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 the,
0: so, so you guys started a fun side project, and became yep. a business. Yep, and with then Jonathan Grub and Castro when they started was it R V I P? But that came out of guest satisfaction also. No, not really. So so Jonathan, the way they tell that story, because we've had Castro on the show, okay. is she didn't say what the startup was, but just basically they had a startup. They went to have a party, and the party was so popular
3: with the R V I P lounge. Which is a karaoke. So the first, the first, the debut of the RVIP lounge that I'm aware of was at South by Southwest. Right. But um, she said they were um, there in like 2007 On behalf of a company. Was it Get Satisfaction? Oh, um, no, that year actually they were um, hosted, they were hosted by Dippity and maybe a couple others. Dippity is Derek Duke's. Um, I know, yeah, yeah Derek's yeah, thing, yeah. but I, anyway. Anyway, I don't know. You know, it all gets very convoluted. It's like, you know, internet time. I just think it's entertaining. It's like that, ago.
0: Oh, I think it's interesting that you, we would try to do two fun things for yeah. fun, and those turn things into, had more right.
3: energy than-, than the other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, with Valley Schwag, we realized, like, there's some cool stuff going on here. We want to be able to, like, connect with our customers all out in the open, not be answering repetitive, you know, emails in Gmail, mm. and have conversations that can, like, be tracked and that people can actually start and not just have to comment on our blog posts. So, we started looking for <laughs> solutions online and couldn't find anything, and so that's why we decided to start Get Satisfaction. And that was with Jonathan and then Thor and Lane and I, so originally. And then Jonathan ended up getting lured down to L.A. by Kestrin, who wouldn't, you know, can't blame him for that. So. Who would not <laughs> be lured by Kestrin.
0: <laughs> Listen to I don't know what episode did we talk to Kestrin on? 87, um, I think, Yeah, 96? I saw that. It's worth listening, listening to. to. Yeah. Some really interesting She's stuff. Awesome. She's a great tumbler. She can get people out of a crowd to say, to do a lot of things. Okay, so you then are now a co-founder of a company because – You're trying to um, figure
3: out how to ship t-shirts. Yes. (laughs) No, we were trying to figure out how to best engage with our customers and support them in a way that was efficient for us and and fun and relationship building for them. And that's why I'm now a co-founder of Get Satisfaction. And so what was the first thing you used it for when you built it? Um, Well, it's interesting. Our roots are a little bit in um, being kind of consumer watchdoggy. So we originally were thinking like we're going to create a platform where users can come and start a company for, say, back then it was Singular, which I think then became Verizon, and, you know, let them know how they're feeling, express, you know, needs and help each other. Um, and, and this was before, remember this is back before Twitter had really taken off and before Facebook was outside of universities. Um, right. and, and so, you know, there was a lot of resistance from companies to use us initially because they thought, why would I want to purposely air my dirty laundry? Like, why would I do that? And we sort of said, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> so you should actually yes. be, you should actually be part of that conversation. Um, so it really kind of started more as a consumer focused platform um, and you know so we set it up so that anyone could come and start a get satisfaction community either a representative from a company or an end user a customer of a company who wanted to come and start a community to see if they could get the company to come in and help them there or at least get help from other customers and it was really interesting um, you know Twitter really took off eventually Facebook opened up and probably about a year or so into it we started to see the metric shift from the majority of communities being started by end users to so the majority of communities being started by companies. And now today it's almost like solely companies that come and start these communities.
0: And so, but the, so do you see a difference when it happens? Because when a, when a customer is starting it, they're saying, I probably have a problem or a desire. Mm-hmm. This is pretty concrete. When the company starts it, do they have something concrete? They're starting with,
3: um, well, you know, when companies start it, often they, they might, um, you know, fill it out with some FAQs first so that there's some answers and help there for customers when they first come to it. But, you know, really it's about being able to, you know, A, crowdsource information for customers and, um, you know, sort of answer once for the benefit of many Um, when someone asks a question to have self-serve help so people can kind of come and find the answers that they want, but then they can ask questions to like dig in deeper, you know, into kind of more of like the long tail issues that might come out of something that's originally like some sort of more generic FAQ, um, and then you know, there's ideation that comes out of it. So customers, but so what are in they and,
0: doing to get it started? Like, what are they doing when mm-hmm. they start? Because that's part of really tumbling. How are you getting people
3: to get it to want to be
0: there when they when they get things going? I mean,
3: we have a whole bunch of recommendations we give them for promoting promoting the community, making it engaging. Um, what are your what What do you recommend? Oh, I mean, integrating the community into their website via widgets that we offer, you know, announcing it on Twitter, announcing it, you know, if they have a Facebook page, announcing it on their wall, we have a Facebook integration, we have integrations with like, just about any kind of third party system you could think of, plus an open API. So just sort of, you know, Integrating it with the social web, with their CRM, and then bringing that all those things are all technically
0: how they can be together, but yep. what
3: substantively do you? Oh well, see any, them
0: doing a rec- what's yeah, working? Yeah.
3: Well, we tell them be human. Um, you know, um, start conversations with your customers, solicit their feedback on things. Um, you know, get them get them excited about being there. Positive reinforcement to. Um, you know, to the to the folks who are, you know, chiming in a lot and being super helpful, just sort of tumbling, basically, like tumbling in the community to get people engaged and, and get it taking off. I want to just take a moment. I'm
0: starting mm-hmm. to do this at the top of the show, but I'm glad I can tell you about this. It's exciting because I'm in person with Amy. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, Hover, uh, who are domain hosters. Do you know that? Yes,
3: I don't. But I okay.
0: You know GoDaddy, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you don't want You don't want that. No. You don't want to help that. No. No. So there's these nice Canadian people. They have this great company called Hover. It's two cows, two cows, two cows. Okay. Two cows. They it's they do domain registration. Okay. So you can transfer your domains there, and you can even do it on the phone. You don't even have. You can do it online, but you can also call them and they'll
3: do it for you. Oh, so you can get them to do your to host your domain. Yeah. I need that because my, I have one that's up for renewal at a very expensive awesome. place. Awesome. And, and
0: you know what? So. Not only is it expensive, you get a deal. If you do it through our site or with our promo code, TUMML, T-U-M-M-E-L, you get a 10% discount. Okay. And well,
2: we honestly,
0: get a little support for kidding. the show. I'm not
3: kidding. I'm not a plant. Like I did not know about this, but I am <laughs> seriously in need She's right now. She's writing it down, you guys. This? So um. <laughs> It's totally happening. I'm taking a picture <laughs> to
0: prove that it's happened. So no, it's just you always need an alternative because really at this point, how much more... Irri- I just saw another ad for GoDaddy. These are, like, nice quality people. I just want to say...
3: Hang on, hang on. Let me finish writing The GoDaddy
0: just manages to up the level of annoyingness. Like, with each <laughs> new... Um, each new ad they put out, it's just more irritating than the last one. So yes. These are just, like, regular people. It's very easy. Yeah. It's very simple. Awesome. And and they'll take care of it, and they won't, like, upsell you anything. So you really... You guys... Uh, Support our show, but more importantly, like get your domain somewhere where it's not going to be a pain in the ass, okay. and you'll get regular reminders, and you'll keep them and all that stuff. Yay. I'll do that. I hate GoDaddy. I'm not conservative. <laughs> I'm all for hot chicks. First of all, let it never be said that my problem with GoDaddy is hot, sexy chicks. I couldn't be more in favor of hot, sexy chicks. It's not about that. It's condescending.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just reading the irc like backlog right now and <laughs> <I'm> laughing <laughs> yeah i mean it's true we are having a time. okay so okay let's let's stop talking about get satisfaction and let's talk about so i, I mean
0: dabs i know we'll get into like the title community manager in a bit but first do you have specific questions for amy about like the what's happening within these these hosted communities for these companies, because you've worked with lots of big companies and Fortune five hundred companies who are yes, saying has. they want to have people engage with them, yes. right? So, what do you, what do you want to know about what she's she's got going on? Because she can give you a pretty big overview.
1: Deb,
0: I see her in the IRC. Bummer, Deb, unmute. She's, she's muted. Unmute, Deb. Are
2: All on? right.
0: Well, we'll it throw... It took a while. It took a while. Sorry. I'm here. I'm
2: in here. And I was busy catching up on the IRC, so I didn't know what, what that you were ready to go to me. And please let me know um, in the um, Skype if I'm echoing.
0: Go ahead, Heather. So I wanted to know, since you've worked with a lot of big companies, what do you want mm-hmm. to know from Amy about what... She saw them doing early on, like, like just if we can stick right now to like communities within Get Satisfaction, what she's seeing uh, happen there. What do you want to know about that?
2: Well, well um, just to take a half step back, what was fun for me is that went very early on in Get Satisfaction, I actually brought them into one of those really big companies. Yeah, um, and uh, very early, um, with and it was when I was doing the lab with Procter and Gamble. Now they're an unusual company because they actually got that they don't get this. And I was curious, Amy, is you know what are the um, biggest mistakes that you see big companies do, and then how do you sort of get them to realize that this isn't sort of about them being a mouthpiece about themselves?
3: Do
2: you have a good example of that aha moment of, Mm. you know, a company realizing this is totally different. I thought this was a marketing channel, but actually it's not. Yeah. You know, kind of
3: deal. Well, well, what I would say first is that uh, uh, it seems a lot of, I mean, you know, the whole like social support thing is sort of hot on everybody's mind right now. And um, a lot of companies, I think, sort of see us as like, like table stakes, it's like, we're like one of the things they need to have, but they don't always understand why or what to do with it once they have it, Um, which is something that like, you know, we're working on a lot to try and educate them about why they need to have it and then how to, you know, use it effectively. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I can't like pull out like one specific example of somebody who was sort of using it as a marketing mouthpiece and then suddenly had a switch. But I can tell you that the folks who get it have incredibly effective and successful and thriving communities, and the ones who don't have either very like you know ghost town communities where nothing's you, really have happening. Have you had or... to
0: have that conversation with someone? Oh. Have you
3: seen it shift? Oh, yeah.
0: Like Deb saying, so what's worked when you've talked to them?
3: Um, well, I mean, it's it's basically like you know getting in there and actually listening and. And um, being proactive about starting conversations with your customers, making sure that you're actually funneling your customers there. I mean, some some folks will spend a you know bunch of money on a, you know getting the community all up and running, and then it's just some tiny little link in their footer. You know, and then they wonder why there's not a lot of so, activity. But when
0: you've told that, some like, who got, who, well, who did you have to tell her to? I can't name
3: names. I can't name names of our customers. So you're saying that,
0: you yeah, this is why she's <laughs> co-founder of a big company and she's still there. <laughs> um, so you're saying that that's something you pointed out to to yeah, someone and no, then they got yeah, it. we
3: definitely, I mean, we've definitely done a lot of, you know, I mean, I, you know, so... Um, you know, we have different levels of customers who come in. Some just come in and do the free community and then some pay a little bit a month all the way up to like enterprise folks like Procter and Gamble, who thank you very much, Deb, you know, introduced Procter and Gamble to us and, and helped, um, you know, um, usher them in as a customer. And, um, and, you know, so with some of those bigger accounts, I mean, they get, they get training in person from us about how to do it right. And some of them definitely get it. And some of them still kind of don't. And, I feel like the ones that get it are the ones where they understand that community isn't just siloed off as some little department underneath marketing or underneath support, but that it's really sort of this, what allows them to get that? It's when top level executives get it, you know, when um, there's real support behind it from the top level who they understand this is an initiative that, you know, we really need to put muscle into um, and um, pay attention to. And it's not just something that we have to like check off on the list and then let it live over in a dusty corner somewhere. Um, Do you right. get a sense of what's letting those top level executives get it? Um, well, it's the ones that are sort of keyed into sort of the way the world works now and the way that their customers want to engage with them. And the ones who actually care, actually care. Mm -hmm. about engaging with their customers and building lasting relationships with their customers and not just having yet another, um, you know, uh, mouthpiece for marketing or, you know, just hoping to, like, funnel some of the support off onto the community to, you know, lower the cost of the more expensive channels, you know, like trouble ticketing or phone support. But the ones who actually understand that, you know, it's a, a whole ecosystem that can take place that you're tapping into, you mm-hmm. know, um, with social media, with support channels, with CRM, like all of it together. And, um, I oh, know I forgot what the question was.
0: Uh, we're we're <laughs> just trying to get really specific. Okay, well, get it's, because it's, I mean, Deb, I think what you're pointing to I is was that too long, but I lost. it's a big I lost. mental <laughs> shift. It's a big yes. conceptual shift. Yes. yes. As you were saying, Deb, yes. away yes. from marketing to something different. Yeah. And what is allowing that to happen? So you, you, You described, Amy, kind of generally things that are happening, but it would be great as a concrete – you don't have to give the person. Mm -hmm. If you have moments, if you don't have those stories, Mm -hmm. that's fine. We can move on to other things. But that's – because so many people, uh, either if you you get it or don't get it, and that's what it was like with the web before it was social media. Right. Then half of what you're doing is trying to bring other people along because all the things you want them to do, you can't do until they get – this works a different way. Yeah,
2: yeah. So Yeah. Go ahead, Deb. I was going to say, just a concrete thing that I've seen, which Amy was sort of dancing around because she sees it from one side of the table and I see it often from the other when I try to bring these groups together, is the companies that eventually sort of get it or realize that this is not, it doesn't belong in marketing or support. I mean, in my ideal world, it should be in product, you know, um, is um, are the ones that when they jump in and start doing stuff would Get Satisfaction or similar kinds of programs realize that this is going to take time, that this is like something that doesn't yes. happen in a quarter, that you know you don't it, you know it's if we're going to talk relationships it's like the equivalent of you know getting married at the end of the first date most of these companies come in and <laughs> they want immediate results. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way where are my so children like,
0: <laughs> i just married. right exactly
2: exactly so i think it's the ones that have like the, the high level executives in the company that the CEOs who are Tumblr types who get that things are different and realize that this is going to take time and you know let our employees play and learn and make mistakes and It's actually safer than we think it is and blah, blah, blah. Because those, you know, that's, that's the big aha. The companies that, you know, just use it as a mouthpiece. And that's why, I mean, Amy and I, you know, we've been talking earlier in the week and I wanted to build this bridge, Heather, is, you know, last week was Community Manager Appreciation Day and you know that i have this love hate relationship with the child I do. community manager.
0: i do and can i just go can we just go right there cuz i promote the thing this show yeah. saying community managers should be the, the next ceo
3: right, right. Well, the that's
2: next what I put, right that's what i right. Right. that's what we, that's what i put in the blog post and i love community managers i love what those people what they do and i worry that we are not as a community of Tumblr slash community managers slash whatever doing a good enough job of raising the conversation up a level. I mean, what Obama did at the State of the Union was he tumbled. He was the chief mm-hmm. community manager, tumbler. He was trying to sell yep. the left and the right sides, right? That's the world the we need to live in. So. I don't know how we build these bridges or elevate the conversation because it's a lot of it's very esoteric and not concrete. But I think we need to. Like, now's well, the time. So.
0: Well, in yeah. fact, Amy, you were saying earlier tonight that you were, you were wanting to read Andrew Sullivan's cover story on Newsweek saying mm-hmm. that why Obama's critics are wrong. Yep. Uh, and I do know his stuff pretty, pretty well in that argument, and I read it. And uh, this goes to what you're saying, Deb, about it being a long-term yes. change. Yeah. So I think that was, I think the way you put it, Deb, was really insightful and useful and to anybody who's listening to this show because so many people, how, you could be a CEO or you could be, even if you are a CEO, you still have to bring other people along to be mm-hmm. like, yes, we have to do this thing differently, and it's mm-hmm. not a simple thing to do differently. So the main point Sullivan's making about Obama to his critics on both the left and the right, is that Obama's style is to play the long game. And that even though things that seem in the moment very frustrating because they're not, for the left, he's not angry the way they want to see him give it to the right and to the right, yeah. he's not reacting or, you know, uh, you know. He's, saving, a he's So because of that, but over time, what Sullivan is saying is he ends up having his critics look really childish, ridiculous, mm-hmm. He ends up like right now, his approval ratings are like over 10 points higher than both of the main leading uh, candidates yeah. on the other side, both Romney and Gingrich. So that's what happens because he's playing this sort of long game about how right. people are going to come together, even if it's obviously not happening yeah. in the moment. Yeah. How does that apply to what you've seen work for mm-hmm. different large companies mm-hmm. and their attempt to also maybe not be seen or operate as much as just like, hi, we're here with a bullhorn yelling at you, telling you to buy our, our stuff.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny, just as I'm sitting here listening and having this conversation, I'm, I am thinking more and more about the question you sort of said at the, or the statement you made at the beginning about like Obama's sort of like the original community manager. And, um, yeah, I mean, in a way he is because community managers do have to be diplomatic. They do serve, um, you know, their, um, their company and all the departments within the company, and then they serve their constituents, all of the users of their community, which could have a lot of different demands and expectations on them. And community managers really, you know, ha- are like ultimate diplomats. I mean, they are ambassadors um, between all of these different departments. I mean, they're really kind of the co- the cohesive tissue between all of this. But and- it's a
0: weird thing you're saying. You're saying be a diplomat, which people associate with being full of shit, and be
3: authentic at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you, you do have to be. That's like That's like, that's the road you walk. I mean... You know, and I have to say, I have to like um, couch all of this with the fact that like I definitely come from a perspective of community management for customers. I don't come from like a moderator of gaming communities background. And I see a lot of that because we have that on our platform. We have plenty of gaming communities and we sometimes have to step in and help those moderators with some of their users. Um, so I know it's a very different set of issues when you're more moderating a community of like interest and a fan community than it is when you're moderating like a business customer community. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, so I see all of it, I understand Mm -hmm. all of it, but my personal experience of the kind of support and community management that I do is more with a business product and, you know, business users as well as end users. And I mean, I, you know it gets satisfaction. We've always served multiple masters because we serve the end users and we serve the companies that use our product for those end users. So, um, you know, I understand, I guess I just have like a real empathy for Obama or anybody really in the role of president because, you know, you're having to try and um, make change fighting an uphill battle trying to please a lot of people and, you know, inevitably you have to be willing to piss some people off. Yeah. How do you work with multiple publics? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, inevitably to get shit done, you have to piss some people (laughs) off. Um, And I think that Obama doesn't like to piss people off. And so, you know, that might be a flaw of his, but I do think you're right that he is playing more of a long game. Like he's just sort of doing the slow and steady wins the race kind of way of doing it rather than a bull in a China shop way of doing it. Um, and, um, you know, but he is getting stuff done and it's just not always super obvious to everyone because he doesn't do it in a bombastic loud way. So, I mean, I know about the, the, um, Newsweek article that Andrew Sullivan wrote and I was really happy to hear about it. I have yet to read it, but I'm happy that it was written because it's sort of what I've been saying for a long time when I hear a lot of my friends who are, you know, progressive as I am bitching about the fact that Obama hasn't done enough. And I just feel like, oh, my God, like, being the president is the hardest fucking job in the world. Like, I would hate to have that job. And so I give a lot of leeway to that person. And um, there are some things he's done that I've recently heard about that I am very unhappy about. But for the most part, I feel like, you know, he has gotten stuff through. And, you know, he is really trying. And it's hard. How does
0: that long view – is that long view approach like Deb Sagan helps – Hi, execs. If they're thinking about really shifting their entire organization mm-hmm. to a more networked yeah. approach, how have you seen that work with someone who's trying to, oh, I hate to say, manage a community? Because we try to resist. Mm-hmm. First of all, how can you manage a community? You kind of serve it. You, know, you serve it. Managing is such yeah. a useless word in general. Yeah, really. It's just, yeah. it's a phrase that works. So maybe we yeah. should dig into it for the one okay. minute, because I know I can just hear Deb in my head every time I say community manager. <laughs> I can feel her.
3: Yeah, her <laughs> spine. Yeah. Her Actually, her rock. A, a former a former colleague of mine who was our <clears throat> community manager for a long time at Get Satisfaction really loved to use the term ombudsman for that role yes. because that's, that's really that's yeah. really what you are. You know, you are um, serving your community constituents and you're serving here's your the internal thing. When company you think, constituents. But, but when
0: you think of an ombuds person or man at mm-hmm. a in a, a, a universities where I think of it there's mm-hmm. someone who receives complaints from lots of constituencies. Yeah. A Tumblr... Actually, gets people to complain. Like, i going to the point. Whoever yeah, shows yeah. up, a Tumblr's yeah. like, I'm going to get roll my sleeves up, get in yeah. there, and make. Yeah. I mean, when I read, uh, did you read Dreams from My Father, Obama's? No, no book? I okay. didn't. No. Okay. No. So there. What I'm thinking of when I think of him as you know, community officer of the country. <laughs> he did <laughs> a lot of really specific technical stuff when he had made very little money he was in his tiny little car smoking cigarettes going from housing project to housing project to get uh, To get people to show up at community meetings because he knew if he could get people from certain places to show up They could get certain resources for them, but mm-hmm. they were so uh, uh, What's the word where you just don't believe anymore? They just sort apathetic, of. or Beyond apathetic, they were worn down. They yeah. just felt like things wouldn't work, so they didn't care. All hope was lost. They did care, but they didn't believe it would work. Yeah. So the amount of work you had to yes, do to go in and sort of speak to people in ways that would let those different people make sense of this possibility because mm-hmm. they had to communicate differently to different people so they would show up. And then once you could get to a sort of uh, a certain number of people that would flip the possibility and and the community of it being more likely that you'd show up at the the meeting than not because you were belonging and you were with everyone and you believed it was worth something. And then just like, you know, you get with the second month of Valley Schwag, all of a sudden it's clear a lot Mm -hmm. of people want this thing right? So that to how to get it to that place, what the, yeah. the invisible, otherwise invisible work is to get all of a sudden those people there. Yeah. So I think it's true as an person has multiple publics. That's true of tumbling. You're thinking of multiple audiences. Yeah. yeah. When I'm teaching people to do this on presenting technique where they're doing public conversations, what distinguishes, I think, the kind of performing I do mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of way of presenting is that you're advocating on behalf of the, yourself and the conversation Yourself and the room, not just yourself, which mm-hmm. is what most public presentation is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're already tuned into everybody in the way that yeah. uh, you would just because. So, so in that sense, yeah, you're tracking multiple things. Yeah, what's going on with many people, which I imagine is a little bit like being a mother.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, being a mother or community manager or a, <laughs> now a feel, decent now I, father. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm feeling um, shy <laughs> about using the word manager. But, um, no, it's yeah. just—it's well, more. I, mean, the, I think I it's mean I turn people. Okay, use, you know what? Right? Here's one thing that a, a mistake that some companies make, and what other companies do right is you have to be ready to take the good, the bad, and the ugly when you open yourself up, and not try and sweep it under the rug. So companies that I've seen who are um, super quick to try and like sweep any ugliness under the rug—you know, remove it from the community instead of like address it head on. Um, are just in for a world of trouble. Like, you know, you have to be ready to, um, engage with the, the ick. you haters. Yeah. As well as the praise and just the basic neutrality and all of that. And I think Deb, you wanted to say something. Yeah. So please go. Oh, oh, so,
2: um, (laughs) oh, now I'm hearing myself echo. So I love the, 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 sort of rant you were having there about on and Heather, because, it highlighted to me that one of the reasons that I don't like the term community manager is, yes, the obvious ones about managing. The, the, other obvious, the other less obvious one is that we're starting to live in a world where people are expecting that a community is a homogeneous group, that in order to have, when people talk about online community day or community around something, in some cases it is. Very often in Get Satisfaction, it is because it's around a fan base of a particular product. But I get worried again that we're using this term community and we're diluting and and ending up on opposite ends of the aisle in this world today in ways that we shouldn't be. Community, a real community, does not mean that everyone agrees and everyone is the same and we all do the same. And if we don't all agree with each other, you have to go to the other community, right? Uh, The true sense of community is is something that can exist with differences and still get shit done, right? And I think one of the things that we're struggling with as a society and business and businesses and politics is that everyone thinks that if we don't know percent agree all the time, we can go off into another universe. And the difference between using the term community manager versus the term ombudsman or tumbler is it's coming from opposite ends of the spectrum. That is, a tumbler sort of highlights and sees and, make, and catalyzes and connects what may or may not be there. Where someone who's a community manager, and if I'm going to be really negative about it, is sort of deciding, sort of that it's all the same and comes from sort of a more one-dimensional approach, and I think that's why it bothers me so much. Did any of that make sense? That rant
0: makes total sense to me because it's a complete description, at least yeah. the way I, I perform and work. I just did a show in. Right. Um, in Maine yesterday, that was one of the most diverse groups I've ever had. which was so satisfying, which, by the way, the entire business model of the entertainment business is built on homogeneity. That's how the ad business works. Yeah. We want to target this little, I mean, your clients, how segmentation, often? Segmentation, yeah. Amy, yeah, do they want to segment into, We have uh, soccer moms, they all have blonde hair <laughs> and they're picking their kids up and <laughs> don't at 4.30. Right. I mean, they're all that. When the truth is that's just not real. Even if I have mm-hmm. a room of a hundred white people, it's still incredibly diverse and mixed. Yeah. Um, and for me, a lot of the joy comes from the difference in the room. And, and that's the thing I kind of pride myself on is making this being very good at making this space more likely to hear all those differences because I'm focusing on them. Do yeah. you see that with the people who are using your, your service or who, which I'm assuming are the people who are considered social media managers or community managers, right? Isn't that who's usually spending time on the, yeah, I mean, the
3: people who are actually use, using it once sort of a community gets launched are, you know, either, yeah, social media folks or customer support folks. Um, I mean, it really, it does really range. And, and Very. Thankfully, yeah. thankfully, I think um, for most of the folks who we see using, um, you know, our platform, they're not they're not really concerned about the segmentation. Like, they understand this is sort of You know, anything goes. I mean, we do have private communities, um, you know, for folks who need to have employees or just for their customers or just for beta testers. But in general, like, the public communities, they get, like, this is the public. It's out there in the wild. Anybody can come join in here. Anything kind of goes. But I think when they're really successful is when they are willing to accept You know, the the inevitable negativity that can come up and see that as an opportunity rather, you know, rather than just something to run from. But like, let's let's see how we can turn this around. It's something that I, you know, really um, sort of preach, quote unquote, about a lot is like, let's turn this around into um, an opportunity to, you know, completely surprise and delight this person who is incredibly pissed off at us right now and possibly turn them into an evangelist. And you know, as well as a lifelong believer in whatever it is we're doing or providing, or for them. let's destroy this person who treated you like crap.
2: <laughs> well, you know, that, well, no, you that's a really good. <laughs> no, that's a really good concrete point. Like you were talking about concrete points earlier, because you know, if a person's that annoyed, you know, you, like you said, Amy, mean, companies should be happy when the annoyed person shouts out and tells them. Absolutely. I mean, that's
3: passion, yes. right?
2: Yes, you know, thank you. that's is
3: awesome. You want that. Yeah. Like you want people to be passionate, mm. whether it's positive or negative. You want them to be passionate. When there's no passion, then they're just like, meh. There's no relationship. You know? Yeah. Then there's no opportunity. <laughs> there's no opportunity to shine for them. There's no opportunity to, like, deepen that relationship. Um yep. So, you know, I really I – really, I mean, it's like I – there's actually this quote um, from JFK that um, – that I use in, in, in like my training I do with, with customers and it's, um, the, the Japanese use, um, two brushstrokes for the word crisis and one, oh gosh, now I use this all the time, but I usually have like, I was heard in it, front was, of me. it was, it was Chinese, it's Japanese,
0: is it Chinese?
3: Oh, maybe it's Chinese. Oh people. my gosh, we are, um, it's, it's the wine. Um, but that one is one 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 brushstroke is for the is for the word danger, and the other one is for for opportunity. So, like in a crisis, be aware of the danger, but also see the opportunity. And and for which me, Obama, by the way, said every
0: three minutes in the beginning of his yeah.
3: administration. Yeah, and you know, to me, like I feel like that is a mantra to take into any kind of um, engagement with. Customers or end users, and particularly in a public space, like that's the mantra you should take into it. Like see crisis as an opportunity. Um, Yeah. All
1: right. Um, Well, so that's exactly it. I think that's, you know, something that we talk about in my day job at Salesforce is talking about social enterprise is, is trying to say, um, there is an implication from this, which is you have to reorganize your company to think in a different way and, mm-hmm. to, and to change your processes so you can actually cope with this stuff. Yeah. And you often see the the thing that um, <clears throat> the successful ones is, where, where, as you say, where the CEO is paying attention to this because the CEO is outward focused. But yeah. also the people who are interacting directly with the customers are also outward focused. And the problem comes often with the people who are defined as managers who are in the layer in between and they're very inward focused. They're mm-hmm. focused on gathering resources um, and appealing to these, the, the, the CEO for more resources for their group and then getting more managers. And they're very focused against competing internally if, if, if the company is dysfunctional and much yeah. less focused on the outside world. So you yeah. often see this weird thing when you when you actually set up a social enterprise, you see that the people who are um, directly in customer contact and the people who are at the, the top of the company who are thinking about the strategic thing are actually more aligned than the managers in the middle um and that's that's part of the challenge the sort of disruptive challenge of what happens when you when you start um hearing the voices of your customers directly into the company
0: do you think there's a way like i'm not sure does Zappos make everybody do customer service like a certain time of yeah they of the do time?
3: they actually yeah. make every new yes. one- they go through um, like a—is a, it two weeks or something like that—of actually doing customer support before, no matter what role they were hired for. Do you know any that companies first. that make
0: that you, clients you have that make like uh, a large number of managers rotate
3: through doing work through your system? I'm getting and no. no, none that I know of. I mean, Zappos is the only time I've ever heard about. But that. But even just never mind calls, just, just online, no. just working the social. No. Get satisfaction. Never, I don't know. Are, I'm not saying that they don't, but I don't know of any specifically.
2: There are companies are waking up to different types of employee training yeah. as a result of a lot of the stuff now, which does include stuff that's closer to, to the customer, but it's just starting. I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll read about it in like HBR articles and HR people and what's, training and stuff.
0: What's your impression, Amy, of the, I mean, how many of your clients have hired some independent agency to train them? Beyond you guys, because um, there's a lot of growing businesses now, like to train them with social media, or either do training internally, community. or they actually do the work for the company.
3: Oh um, well, I mean, yeah, there's a. Li- I mean, I've seen a little bit of like outsourcing and moderation, and actually, you know, we that's something that we are looking into providing as well at a certain level. But I have kind of a lot of um, requirements that would go along with that. Um, you know, I have some hesitation around the outsourcing of community because? moderators. Well, I think that, I think that it can work really well, but you need to make sure that you also have representatives of your brand who understand your brand and who understand your products involved and at least a direct line to them for the folks who you have kind of in the front lines moderating. Um, we do have some people who are using um, like outsource and I can't name names, but using outsourced, you know, moderators in their community and, you know, they are doing a good job of sort of that triage, but they can't really go beyond that. And so I think that when your community gets really powerful is when you can go beyond triage in the community. And something that I, you know, teach a lot about is about getting your whole company involved. I mean, the beauty of a customer community is that it doesn't have to be siloed off into customer support or just under PR or just under marketing. Like anyone from your company can get involved. Of course they need to have a little bit of maybe training or some guidelines to follow for doing that. You don't want folks coming in and like being snarky and defensive and, you know, assholes to your customers. Um, but I think that the companies that really are successful are the ones that get that and that, um, that do get representatives from different areas of the company and particularly like even at the executive level involved in the community and engaging directly with customers. I mean, that's incredibly powerful for, you know, both sides of that conversation. Um, It's powerful for customers to be like, wow, I've got, you know, like some executive in here, possibly even the CEO or like the developer that built this thing I'm using is in here talking to me about it and asking me, you know, some more specific questions about my issue with it. And then for that employee to like, hear directly from the customers who are using the product that they built or, you know, using the service that, you know, they are working so hard to provide for them um, is really powerful. So
0: so we're, we're winding down towards the end of the show. So here's a big question. Why do you think community managers should be the next love batch of CEOs for startups? Because I believe very strongly mm-hmm. that that's the direction we're going to go in. And I think it sounds unlikely to a lot of people. Like, actually want to have this conversation with Dave McClure in public because I really I really believe it. And what did he say? I haven't. I want oh, to. Oh, you want to. Like I, we had him on the show a long time ago, but I'd, I'd like to revisit it now. Yeah. And what I'm thinking of is there was an era in Hollywood where, I mean, always writers are like the bottom of the totem pole of power mm-hmm. and the development executives, sometimes there's a phrase like, D-Girls, just watch the player, you know, who are like the most powerless people in the film studio. Yeah. Women who read scripts who earnestly think they're going to work with these artists and make things good. And then we'll just dismiss whatever they say. You try to get laid by them and that's it. Mm-hmm. But what happened was as right as, as certain scripts were more important occasionally, sometimes the people who developed their relationships with them became incredibly powerful. And some of them, including I think Amy Pascal at Columbia, you know, had careers that went right to the top of the studio because one that those relationships and two, they knew the substance of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it seems like business is moving to a place. I mean, Kevin, you're working for a huge company that's entire businesses revolved around trying to make businesses more social. I mean, it just right. seems like the, it's, the sh- it's the core shift in how the economy is operating.
1: Mm-hmm. I, so I think if, that's right, yeah. And, and that's, it, you know, that's one of the reasons I ended up working here because they, that, they picked up on that early on. Mm-hmm.
0: So while a Mark Benioff starts Salesforce today, could someone like Mark Benioff in two generations really start a company that size if he himself doesn't have the skill set? Of being a serious tumbler, and I don't know if he is right. or is no. Oh no, no,
2: no, no. He is, no, no, no. is. he, is. Oh, I he, he, he is. is. oh my God, he's on Facebook all the time. He's a total tumbler. That's who he is. Well, he gets he- it
1: if actually if you if you watch him um give a speech, he's 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 totally doing everything you teach Heather. He he wanders off into the audience and grabs people and talks to them and then goes back. I I, I
0: didn't didn't mention Mark's name like to this. It was more like well well whoever. I was trying to be specific. Well Wendy Lee, our
3: CEO who we brought on, you know, Thor and Wendy Wendy, yay, Wendy. Thor and Lane and Jonathan and I were co founders. Um, you know, and, and Thor was our original CEO and um You know, but at a certain point, you know, and I don't mean to like rain on this parade at all, but we realized that we really needed somebody with serious business savvy to come in and sort of take the reins of the company to take us to the next level we needed to go do business-wise. However, um, I will say that, you know, we searched very hard for the right person. We were not just willing to accept like every person that our VCs sort of sent our way. And we met Wendy she came to us actually as someone who was sort of offering herself up as an advisor, not necessarily the c e o candidate We're the ones who said, "Oh my God, she's the one, and I think it's because she had those qualities. She had those like tumbling qualities. she understood us, she understood how to connect with people um you know she if she needed to go talk to your customer, she could do that oh, absolutely, and she does she like picks up the phone and calls our customers if she's in town somewhere where we have a customer, she'll go visit that customer i mean she is you know, she understands how to like connect to people at a human level I, and she has the business savvy. So I think Do you think that someone
0: like that is less interested in, in relying on the hierarchy to have to get things done in the company?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think she very much believes in empowering whoever has the um know how to do what needs to get done. I mean, you know, I don't think that, that I don't know, I don't feel like in get satisfaction that hierarchy is is all that important. Um <laughs> You know, it's if you have a great idea and you have the gumption to get that shit done, then you get it done.
2: Yeah, I think um, Heather, to your point, I, I the the future is all about people who get this connectedness world. And I'd actually argue, even within the last 50 years, that the the CEOs of really big companies that sort of got this, even you know early on in internet, are always the ones that are touted you know, as the great CEOs, you know, the ones who are down the trenches with the people and all that. So I think, you know, eating our own dog food here and saying this is a long-time progression, you know, mm-hmm. I remember when people used to quote, like, in the 80s, um, down blanking on his name, the, uh, the, the CEO of Citibank before John Reed, who was the kind of, and this is of Citibank, right, who used to walk the halls and meet with secretaries and talk. And so I think early mm-hmm. on, this, this has been a 30-year process, and the technology sort of really like speeding it up in the last 10 years. But what, you can't, you
0: can't. What do you see, Amy, as your challengers, um, you know, out there? what Do you do? You see a lot more tools coming up now where people are trying to
3: provide infrastructure for community? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's sort of, it's the hot thing right now, you know. And, you know, what I, what i really hope is that companies can understand it beyond just being the hot thing, but understand like the real true deep value there and, um, and understand how to really use all these tools effectively and for the benefit of, you know, their customers in the long run and not just as mouthpieces for broadcasting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this, this market is very hot and growing and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just about trying to, um, Integrate all of it so that, you know, companies can have an easy way to access this ecosystem of being where their customers are and engaging with their customers where their customers want to engage with them. I mean, customers are in charge now. I mean, you know, they they really, they really really have the power. Do you think they know that? Customers or yeah, companies? Customers. Yeah. I mean, look at how they use Twitter to, like, bitch about, you know… Comcast and Verizon and UPS or whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think, I think customers do know it more and more and, um, and uh, you know, and companies know it too. And that's why it's important for companies to sort of wake up and be part of that conversation. Do you think though, and I'll
0: take it back out to the beginning as we wind things down, do you think as a culture we've given, we've taken a, a consumerish ish or, or business, this kind of, uh, Power and traded in our our citizen power for this. Like I have, I can bitch about UPS and maybe get a response on Twitter, but I can't necessarily.
3: Although I guess we did with with, with SOPA. I mean, look Sofa's at what we may, SOPA. Maybe it's I mean, they that merged. Was, that was, um I mean, that was like so grassroots how that happened, and it happened, and it worked. You know, I mean, I remember in the early days of it. um you know, posting on Facebook about it and just feeling like, oh man, you know, is this going to go anywhere? And I was actually at a dinner with some folks who are very involved and had been going to DC and talking to um, the administration. And yeah, and I was asking and did somebody, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You did. No, yeah. So I talked with some of those folks. They had actually just been with you in DC. Um, it was pretty, Derek pretty cool. Slater Derek and, 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 yeah, and Derek yeah, Dukes. Yeah, 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 and. um and, uh, you know, back, I mean, that was just a few months ago and they, at that point they weren't sure if Michael, Obama was really going to get it and oh, then he
0: got it. Michael Petricone told me that he thought that we really kind of turned everything that day that yeah. we showed up there.
3: But uh, when I saw them, it was like right after yeah, that. Yeah, so, I know. They yeah. didn't,
0: well, no, we didn't think so.
3: Yeah. When we got back,
0: I don't think any of us thought. Yeah. We were all like, Bijan posted about word? it. I still have to post. I mean, I think we had different feelings about it, but on yeah. some level, the idea, once you get there and you realize, we walk into a meeting with, you know, Biden's chief of staff and we hear they had 14 calls from the movie business that morning before we got there mm-hmm. and they'd already met with all 435 members of Congress. No, we yeah. didn't think that was the old kind of form of doing it. Now I have this video clip I still need to post of Fred Wilson saying, you know, we have the internet, ha ha. Yeah. And sure enough, it I'd, worked. Yeah. But I have yes. to tell you, we said it, but did I totally believe it? Like now I do, but I'm even yeah. a little bit stubborn. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. the, the interesting thing well, watching the reaction
1: from from the Hollywood squad is that um, their response is, well, Google's doing stuff, and Google's, you know, and they still don't actually get that this was um, a grassroots response that then chived Google into responding. It was it was the stuff that came up through Reddit and Wikipedia, which are much more bottom up organisations, that and then the Googlers were like, well, yes, we should black our logo out and, and join in on this too. Um, and the the movie business because they're so used to this sort of um, auteur theory or whatever they're assuming that Google is directing all of this, which which it isn't to any extent at all.
0: Right. So I, I mean, when you get to hear from people in that sense, Obama was being a bit more of an embuds person. He wasn't going out and saying what will everyone do, but the constituency from the neck hole should did go out and try to say people we're going to talk. It took a little bit to get people involved and get them but once they did it was kind of a culture that was self-perpetuating, very networked, so it moved a lot faster Mm -hmm. than a hierarchical one. And then the feedback came back and they responded. Not only did they respond, their response was a community organizing response. What did they come back with? Oh uh, yes, we want to see some kind of combination of Hollywood and Silicon Valley working together, which was what I personally asked the CTO to do with the thing. At the time he kind of talked me down like no way. We can't use our bully pulpit, but now that's what they asked for their statement. So, I mean, at the, I think um, that network effect pushes people into collaboration, yeah. even if they didn't want to be, because it's it seems kind of yeah. more like a wave you can ride. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think the point here, like you were asking, um, asking me if uh, I feel that you know the constituents out there, consumers out there, customers out there, um, well, they have the power now in their relationships with companies. You know, do they have the power in other areas. And yeah, I mean, I think all of it is just building that like the individuals do have more power now. And I think that, um, you know, c- the community management world is really helping to facilitate that. And, um, I don't know, cultivate those conversations. Well, Amy Mueller, <laughs> ex JavaScript coder,
0: <laughs> co-founder satisfa- satisfaction. It's been really a delight to have you on. Thank um, you. It's
3: been a delight to be
0: on. And you even said tell more a few times. I don't know they will ever say it again, except when you go to <laughs> transfer your domain at Hover, which I want to remind everybody here. Yes. We have to find a new host for your domains. I'm doing it. Hover, super awesome. They've abused no really troubled models oh. at all in the process of creating running their business. And uh, you could just... You can either call them or just go to Hover.com or tumblevision.tv. If you use our promo code, T O you'll get 10% off and we'll get a little something. So thanks for that. And um, please do listen. Uh, to We've got a huge catalog of amazing shows. We're coming up soon on on episode 100. So feel free to send us your ideas you I mean, know, on Twitter about what you'd like to see us do for episode. It's kind of amazing. We're almost at 100. So we've got a huge back catalog, and please rate us on iTunes, because that's how other people are going to find the show. There's a pre-show and a post-show. I don't know if you want to stick around, Amy, but that's, we sometimes do that live. I want to thank Deb and Kevin. Is there anything you want to let people know about this week or sign off with?
1: Nothing, nothing directly comes to mind. Um, if you look, look up the social enterprise stuff at, at Salesforce, because I think um, a, a lot of what Amy's been saying there has been has – been um, showing up in our business too. So I, mm-hmm. I recommend having a look at that.
3: Yeah, And Salesforce is a partner of ours. So yes. <laughs> we integrate. We all that's work together. <laughs> everyone's like, we're partners, we're partners. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's so of polyamorous. Well, I've also I love
0: that. had sex I love with that about. company.
3: Yes, I, that's what I love about this new wave as opposed to, I mean, because it was around for like the original .com and it was all so like, shh, shh, you know, competitive and quiet and don't let right. me know your secrets. And now it's all about, You know, open source, and let's collaborate, and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, Deb, anything you want to leave off with? I
2: just want to lead off with, despite my ragging on the term community manager tonight, (laughs) I rag because I love you all, and you need more than an appreciation day. We love you,
3: (laughs) Deb. Thank you. I think we need an appreciation year (laughs) every day. (laughs) That's how I feel about Mother's Day, too, though, so, you know. Uh, yeah,
2: exactly. Well, that's what I said. Anyone who gets an appreciation day isn't viewed strategic. Think about it. I mean, that is
0: a statement. <laughs> Tweet that, Karen. Yeah, it's true. My hands are busy. <laughs> um, I know. It's like a little sad payoff <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the yeah. world. Yeah.
2: Secretary would, Day, um, Teacher Day, Mother's I Day. Mean, I mean, man,
0: <laughs> oh, it'll be the most powerful day of your life in exchange for a lifetime of enslavement. Way to go, ladies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'm Heather Gold. I guess I'm doing an unpresenting workshop in San Francisco. I'm going to put a link up on Tumel Vision, which I haven't yet. It's uh, the 11th of February, uh, and there's room for that. And I can offer a really nice discount to somebody who can provide a room. So if you have a startup or an office or an apartment you want to use for it, let me know, and you can get a great deal taking the workshop. And uh, I'm probably gonna do it in Portland and Seattle pretty soon too. And maybe Vancouver. So. Uh, get in touch if you want to see that. You can also get more at I'mPresenting.com and there'll be new shows soon. I just, I tumbled my ass off <laughs> yesterday in Maine. I just want to say it was so grat, it's so gratifying. I can't go back to traditional stand up. It is so fun to play with so many people and have mm. them meet each other. And it's so great to be in a room with people like, you didn't know that person totally like three seats from me. Now you know each other. It's awesome. Yep. It's very fun to, have to see people push more themselves. It's a very relaxing thing for me. So thanks to our sponsor, however, our guest, Amy, our producer, Andrew Hazlitt. We're looking for a new producer, everyone. Andrew's now in very much demand because he's Aww. professionally tumbling. The show has taken him into the job of seriously paid tumbler.
3: Wow. So
0: um, we're looking for somebody new who wants to do an awesome job. I've got a couple of other podcasts um, lined up, so Uh, would love someone to work on all of them get in touch at heather h-e-a-t-h-r and uh we had a great it's been a great show so it's been fun fun. we'll see you guys all here next for having me next week with uh dave weinbarger who's amazing by the way and what's his new his new book is knowledge oh god i shouldn't Talk about transparency <laughs> transparency that i'm an idiot that i'm gonna talk about my brilliant next guest in this book that i'm getting wrong
2: Knowledge and, 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 and a former uh comedy writer so it'll be an interesting i'm gonna sound like sure. an
0: old jewish grandmother isn't it knowledge is too much everything that you think is okay you know that's
2: how my I'm gonna to sit it. in the dark
0: that's how they always were about it's movies. It's called
1: too big to know.
2: Too
0: big to right. know. That's what I meant. Thank you, Kevin. I said that already. Everything is, not is too kidding. much. <laughs> too
1: big to think. <laughs> thing.
0: <think, think. laughs> we'll see you out Yiddish the next person. See Yiddish,
1: everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.